When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to Dear Black Girls Season 2, Episode 1. And today we have a special guest. Um, originally from Philly, she currently resides in Oakland, California. She's a student at Berkeley and Cali, and she's getting her PhD in the African Diaspora Studies, as well as the founder of the Selfology Movement, which is an organization that focuses on self-love through the healing amongst black women and girls. That's everything, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. That's everything. Hey, y'all. How you doing? So, Reese, tell us more about yourself. All right. So, uh, like you said, I am originally from Philly. Um, I did my undergrad at Spelman, where I studied sociology and anthropology. Um, and from there, I went on to UCLA to get my master's in African-American studies. And now at Berkeley, um, in my PhD, I just finished my first semester. Lord, thank God. Uh, but it went real good. Um, and so my research is on Black women's healing spaces. And so much of the work that I do in my life has been centered around healing and wellness, even when I didn't realize or know it. Um, so I started out just asking questions about who I was and knowing that there was more to me than what people saw and understood. Um, I always, from a very young age, had like a deep connection to my ancestry and my roots and myself. Um, but I couldn't make sense of it. And a lot of times I felt like there was something wrong with me because I had so much inside of me um, that a lot of people didn't understand and I didn't understand. Um, and so when I was at Spelman, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I was a Delta and I was in Morehouse and I got to be in Ebony Magazine for the HBCU Queens. So I was doing a lot of people saw me and they knew me and I was pretty popular in college but I felt alone a lot of the time and people didn't know that um that most of the time when people would see me out and about I was really struggling internally with trying to figure out who I was and knowing that I was misunderstood um so I wound up Started the selfology movement shortly after I graduated from Spelman because it really was started out as my own journey, trying to make sense of my body, mind, soul, ancestry, spirituality, trying to understand what were the layers of who I was as a person. Um, and then from there, it became a journey of self-love and self-care and healing, not just for myself, but for other women um, and specifically other black women. So since the apology movement about two and a half years ago, uh, we have an online website, which is www.theselfologymovement.com. But since that launch, I've been just working on really developing something that makes sense for other black women and girls 
to do their own healing. So I travel and I do a selfology tour where I host workshops. Um, and I also teach a selfology curriculum at a local high school in Oakland. Um, and, and like I said, my research is on healing spaces. So I think and look a lot at how we as Black women can curate spaces of healing and how we can channel um our confidence and our strong sense of self into the way that we live our life daily so that we can feel happier and freer on a daily basis. And with the workshops, like what what happens at your workshops? So I travel um, to different places, whoever wants to host me. So I really get emails all the time. People want me to come to their different schools or their organizations or an event. Um, and what I do at the workshop is uh, invite black women into a sacred space of healing. And what we do is lean into our selfology journeys. So that journey looks like going to a place with yourself to heal and beginning to open up the truth about yourself that you may have been trying to hide. Um, and so I tell a little bit about my story of how I am a victim survivor of sexual abuse and how so much of the time when I was younger, I didn't see my body as my own and the struggles I had with my mind about not being smart enough as a black girl and also struggling with like, um, mental depression, just thinking that I wasn't good enough and telling myself certain thoughts, but really connecting to my soul, which is the core of who I am and learning the necessity and the importance of just being grounded in the essence of my being. Um, and then talking about my ancestry and my connection to those black women who came before me, knowing that their blood runs through my veins and they died so that I could be here doing this work um and then my spirituality just talking about that which is greater than me which grounds me in the interconnectedness of all things and so at the tour I, I go through my story I go through my journey and then I invite the women to go on their own journey so we have a worksheet which you can see on the website as well um under define your own selfology it's a whole template and it asks five questions for each layer and it's just some writing prompts to get the women in the room to think about what what is my body, what is my mind, what is my soul, ancestry, spirituality, like who do I say I am? And it's about reclaiming our power and our identity that we can become the exact women that we envision ourselves being and we don't have to succumb to societal expectations of who we're supposed to be. Um, and I've done this tour for about two years now. Um, I've been all over to um, Kentucky State, um, Spelman and Clark, Atlanta, um, Alabama. Oh, I'm trying to think. I've been doing something in New York, too. I've just been traveling a lot of different places um, doing a tour. And it's been awesome because I've been just meeting amazing black women who inspire me. Um, I just was at Morgan State most recently. Um but just meeting black women who have self-care practices that open my eyes up to new ways of caring and learning and growing. But a lot of times we just think about, like, what types of things we can incorporate into our life to enhance and grow, like meditation or journaling 
or self-reflective practices or affirmations or, you know, just doing things that feel good to you and that feed your soul and entering into a self-love journey from a place of honesty and truth. So for meditating, because there are a lot of people that don't know exactly how to meditate, how would you explain to them how to go about meditation? Girl, listen, I feel it because I also have been that person. Um, so I have an app because my boyfriend actually put me onto this app. Um, I love it. It's called... Um, Is it called Headspace? Um, what'd you say? Is it called Headspace? No, no, no. It's not Headspace. It's called Timer. And the way Inside Timer works is they track your meditation. So it's like inspiration. And every time you get up to 10 days or something, you get a little star. So I like that because I be needing to stay consistent. So, and I only just got up on here. So I'm at my 16th day of consistent meditation. So I'm like <laughs> proud of myself because I'm like, okay, I don't meditate every day for 16 days. And I do feel more peaceful. But the way the inside timer works is you can just press the start button and then the sound goes off and you can tell it how long you want to meditate. So you might set the timer. And Sometimes I just do five minutes, you know, like it don't have to be no large, drawn-out, intimidating thing. But sometimes you just set your timer for however long you want to do it and then get in a comfortable position. So some people like to cross their legs and have their hands out and to, to receive the energy. But it's a comfortable position that allows you to be present because sometimes when we lay down, we might doze off into sleep and we're not present. So it's important to be present in the meditation, but just taking time to just deep breathe. Like I breathe in real deep, like then I hold it, then I just release it. And I continue to do that. And the goal of meditation is to just clear your head because our mind is just racing, racing, racing. And it's okay if you still are thinking thoughts, but you're supposed to not hold on or cling to the thoughts that come to your mind. You're supposed to just let them come in and out. And it's a practice. And so over time, you will develop it. But sometimes you might feel like, oh, this was random. But I think everybody who, even if you just meditate for five minutes and you do some deep breathing, you'll just feel calmer. You'll feel more relaxed. You'll feel more, like, in in control of what's happening with your day. And it really does help to ground and center you. And over time, you might even want to try guided meditation. Put this one girl on that timer. She'd be speaking to my life. Like, I'd be so honest <laughs> because she'd be talking about, she'd say something like, the darkness stirs you, and it's okay to be in a dark place right now, but that's where you deserve more love, not less. I'd be listening to her consistently. So now I'm feeding those positive messages to myself, and I'm going throughout my day not even realizing that her words are still, like, planting seeds in me. And so sometimes if I feel a little low, I'll say, you deserve more love, not less. And I'm like, look at me really catching on to what she be saying to me. Because, you know, it's, it's about planting them seeds. And so I think that's a beautiful thing about meditation is just planting seeds of, like, silence and presence, um, you know, within yourself. All right. So with that, let's get into your songs. What's song number five? Um, Confidently Lost, because uh, this has been giving me what I need in this moment. 
So my best friend had posted it on her Insta staff a while ago, and I never thought nothing of it. But I was like, oh, that's a cute uh, phrase, confidently lost. But I just never thought much of it. And then I um, got on Spotify, and it popped up on one of my playlists. And I'm like, oh, this is that song. But she just talks about how, like, she don't need anybody to find her, and she's, like, She's not defined by anything, and where she is right now may not be super clear to her, but she's, like, confident in that place. And even though I do feel like I know where I'm going in a lot of ways, in some areas of my life, I feel like I don't, and I do get scared. But it was just a reminder for me that, like, no, I'm confident where I'm at because I'm confident in God and I'm confident in my faith. And so I know that, like, even if I'm, quote, unquote, lost, I'm never lost because I'm always found because God always has his hands on me. You always have a plan for me. So regardless of how unclear it may feel today, I'm always good. Like, God always got me. You know, that's kind of what, what the song is a reminder of for me. I feel like everyone has those moments where um, they just get lost in life and they don't know, like, what exactly is next or what to mm-hmm. do. They're just, like, stuck. And everyone just gets so afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, like, I think my psychology journey has helped me come to a place where I can be confident even in the unknown because I've consistently built a relationship with myself where even if things are not perfect, I work really hard to just be real and honest with myself, you know. And some days I don't feel confident, but the song helps me to remember why I should be confident because my confidence comes from something so much greater than me. My confidence is not tied to circumstances or people. My confidence is in my creator. So, therefore, I just remember, like, Oh, it's okay to be where I'm at right now, but this is so much bigger than me, and I'm good, you know? Yeah, so how long did it take you to build up confidence? Because I know for some people it's like a lifetime, and then you have the people that are born with it and already have it, and then you have the people that just took a while, but they they got it. For you, like, what was your like? Well, I think a lot of times, like I'm saying, when we talk about confidence, we really tie our confidence to validation, and that is so dangerous, but it's the way that our society operates. And for years, I did that as well, because I didn't know myself outside of what other people could see. And I think that's why when I was in college, I had such a difficult time, because I was so popular, and I was so validated because people thought I was pretty and they thought I was nice and all these things, which was very, like, uplifting, you know, but I didn't know it for myself. And so I knew that I didn't know it for myself. And I also knew that other people couldn't see all of me. And what I was searching for was some sort of validation of the entirety of my being that I wasn't even clear about. Do you understand what I'm saying? So from there... Mm -hmm. I realized my validation has to come from something in somewhere much larger than anything that any people can tell me or give me. One of my friends, Valencia, says this to me all the time just as a reminder of, like, anything anybody else gives you, a compliment or affirmation, that's just a dish. But what is foundational 
what is foundational to you is a confidence that nobody could ever take or give away because it is literally knowing that I'm a child of God. Like I was created for a purpose and for a reason and therefore I am light and no one could ever take or give the light that I am. It's in no one else's hands. It's inside of me. And so when I work to channel that reminder, that's where I find a healthy confidence from. And I'm still working on that. Like some days I feel it all the way and then some days I'm like, dang, like I don't feel validated today. And I have to just remind myself. And I think it's a, it's about a consistent reminder because I know people who other people think is hella confident and will project like they're hella confident, but behind closed doors they are so insecure. And I genuinely believe that most of our insecurities come from not realizing that everything we need is already inside of us. We're not lacking anything. We're not missing anything. And our society will be the one to tell us we are, whether it's something about our bodies that's not right. We're missing an ass or some titties or a slim waist or whatever, or our minds, we're not smart enough. We're missing that intellect. Or we might think that our that that there's something wrong with our heart or our soul. Like we think we're incomplete and we think that like we may have a disconnect from our ancestors so we're not grounded in that and we don't know what our spirituality is. And so we may feel like we're missing all of these things. But I believe that like we we literally were created with what we need to do what we were called to do. And if we would just tap in, we would find our light inside. And I think that that if you if you channel your confidence from that place, you can enter into your life beginning with your light. Like my preacher just yesterday was talking about begin with God, like like living our life begin with God. Like, and to me that just means begin with my light. You know, begin with the light that was given to me, and begin with the light that connects me to all other beings. And that to me, that's that's confidence you know just being grounded in that and that being a foundation song number four <laughs> um song number four is holy uh by jamila Woods. uh i also heard about this song because my best friend she had a um a video web series and she had one of jamila Woods' songs uh, called Black Girl Soldier on her on her video. And I'm like, oh, you know, I remember this song. Like, I like this. Let me look up this song. Then while I looked up that song, I found other Jamila Woods songs, and that's how I came to Holy. Now, this song right here is like my anthem. Like, I wake up to this and play this in my morning, and I just stretch, and I get my day started. Um, and I love this song because she talks about like, I woke up this morning with my mind set on loving me. And it's just like, yeah, we that's what we got to do. We got to wake up with our mind set and, and just channeling the positivity. And something else I didn't say about the meditation is, like, there's this one type of med- meditation I like to do called bedtime meditation. And it's where you breathe in and breathe out love and kindness and compassion for yourself, for your loved ones, for your enemies, and for the world. And that song, it, it kind of reminds me of my mental meditation because it's just about, like, starting off my day from a place of positivity and then cha- and then for me, want to channel that type of positivity out into the world. 
Yeah, because I feel like when a lot of people start their day off, the first thing they do is they reach for their phone mm-hmm. to check the social media, and it's just like mm-hmm. the whole day is just like clouded already. It's like right, right, and then checking that social media is also a lot of times tied to validation. Like you know, like let me see who put a stamp on me today. Like let me see who was fucking with my new outfit or my new hair or whatever. And that's real. Something else I had to do with my social media, I don't even really check my uh, my likes and my notifications because this is something that I struggle with. So I know in my mind, like, I don't want to be so tied to how many people like this picture or that picture. So I cover up my notifications. I'll hide them from myself just so that my mind is not connected to that. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's worked for me a lot because it's allowed me to disconnect from you know, because I used to be the type to be like, oh, let me refresh, see how many people was like in this picture. You know, and I think a lot of us do that. Like, we get so used to like, oh, yeah. let me let me get my numbers up, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> that's dangerous, you know. It's so dangerous. But I will say what I do like about, um, especially our IG, is just how, like, vulnerable you are and sharing your story on IG. Because a lot of people don't do that. Like, a lot of people only sh- I don't know, they share certain parts, but, like, you're you're the type that shares everything that you're going through within your post. Thank you. Yeah, I really try to be. And I've heard somebody say, like, social media is a highlight reel. And I was just like, well, it don't have to be. You know, like, we choose to make it a highlight reel. And that's what I think ever since I was Ms. Morehouse uh, in undergrad, I always – felt the need to like just be real with people because I knew that so many people who did either have a following or was popular or whatever was not real and honest with people and that makes other people insecure. If you don't let people know that you insecure, it makes them think that you're so perfect and you got it all figured out. Now they feeling insecure and if my my role and my calling is to support and help black women and girls. I got to show black women and girls who I am, and I got to show me who I am. And so as I have, like, epiphanies and things about myself, I, it's important for me to just share that with others. And I'm really grateful. Like, I do love Instagram because it has been a platform. Like, I wouldn't have the self movement without Instagram because it's been my platform um, to tell my story. And it's been so powerful. But I also had to recognize how I was using it in dangerous ways, too, that I wasn't even honest with myself about. And I heard someone recently say social media is just a mirror because people say, oh, social media is the devil. Like, no, what we choose to do with it can be bad. But it's just a mirror of who we are and what our insecurities are. So if we get on there seeking validation, that's a mirror of something that ain't right within us, you know. But it could be used for amazing things. And I'm I'm grateful because I definitely have made so many connections. Uh, most Pretty much all of the places I've worked to speak have been because people saw my Instagram and invited me to their school or to their event or whatever. So... I'm definitely that. <laughs> song number three. Um, song number three is Yolanda Adams. Open up my heart. <laughs> and it's crazy I love this song. Listen, it's so crazy <laughs> because I grew up on this and mm-hmm. never thought much of it when I was little. Like I grew up in a household where we only um, listened to gospel music. 
Like, we didn't, we wasn't allowed to listen to no radio, nothing. So I never thought much of this song. But I remember when I was younger, I used to think it was a pretty song, but I didn't think much of it. And it's so crazy because one day, because me and my boyfriend go to church together, and we have been kind of on our spiritual journeys together as well, which has been really beautiful and inspiring. And so on Sundays, we try to, like, listen to different music in the morning. Like, pretty much every day we try to listen to inspiring music, but on Sundays we try to listen to even more uh, inspiring music. And he had played Yo Yolanda Adams. I'm like, what you know about this? I'm like, I ain't heard this song since I was like eight. And then <laughs> as it was playing, I was like, I need to reconnect to this song, you know? And then I just started listening to her words, like, Alone in the room is just me and you. Like, I feel so lost. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, hey, yeah. Like, because like, I'm always alone in my room. And, and I feel like I'm never alone. And I know it's because, one, I'm my own company. So, like, I'm always my own best friend. And I love just spending time with me. But when I am spending time with me, I'm spending time with God, you know. And that song just touched me because when she's talking about opening up my heart, um, my heart has been so closed around church and just, like, people in the church because I had a traumatic experience when I was younger in the church. Um, when I was sexually assaulted, the people who were at my church didn't speak up for me. They, they, they um, like, the preacher at that church told us that if we tried to subpoena him to come to court to testify against the guy who did this to me, because he knew about everything. He said he was going to sue us and all this stuff. So at that young age, that's traumatizing, because I'm like, hey, I thought this was my church family, and y'all not going to stand up for me. So for years, I was not able to go to church or anything. And then me and my boyfriend started going back to church. We go to The Way. I'm just going to give it a shout-out, because I love my church, The Way Berkeley. Um, <laughs> and it has really changed my life, and that song just made me think like God has opened up my heart to be in his presence but in a healthy real way like my church is just hella down to earth genuine good vibes is real small and connected and I realized like God opened my heart up to that church and then the church also the preacher's messages and just the family community in this space has opened up my heart to love you know to experience in a different type of love so I just love that song because it speaks to this moment in my life where I feel like God has opened up my heart to a lot of things that I've been really close off from, you know, for a long time. So I know you said when you were younger, you were sexually assaulted. I want to know, like, what gave you the strength to speak up at such a young age about what happened? Because there are a lot of, like, little girls or even women that it happens to and they never speak up about it. They just, like, keep it hidden. Yeah, um, I think for me, like, I didn't speak up for months. Like, it happened to me, and then I just was confused. I thought it was a dream. I was very unsure, and and I, I just didn't even understand what had happened because this was my uncle who I was, I felt close to, Um and so I just remember one day my mom told me that I couldn't go to the mall with my friend or something. And I just start crying. I was so mad. This was months after the situation happened. And at this point, I'm like in second grade. And I was just crying. I was so mad. 
And my mom was like, what's wrong with you? And then I told her what happened. And I knew, like, I had been carrying that for so long, you know. And it came out. Exactly. And it came out in that way. And my mom just was holding me and rocking me in her rocking chair and just crying with me. Um, And she was the one who told me um, that I had to tell my dad. And I really didn't want to tell my dad. Um, And then... My dad was the one who said we needed to take him to court. And so it was more so like a family thing. And when I went to court, I was terrified. And I felt like I was going to throw up in the in the moment because he was looking at me with this smirk. Like, and he it just was so belittling. And I was so hurt because I'm like, like, damn, like, you was my favorite uncle, you know? And you ain't even trying to show no type of remorse or anything. And he got away with it. And we went to court two different times because the first time it was a hung jury. So they said, let's go a second time. And both times he was, he walked away innocent. Um, and I think seeing the way that he got off free and feeling like poetry was my release to let go of the burden, um, of what had happened to me, um, I started performing my poetry as a way to speak out about what had happened to me. But, and I, I started doing that when I was like 13. And then from, for years, I still told my story so many times, but I didn't feel connected to it. I had disassociated myself from my story in order to help me to make sense of what had happened and help me to navigate, you know, what I had been through. Um, and it only took me being older now to really feel and recognize, even though I've been telling my story for over 10 years, to really feel and recognize the gravity and the weight of the impact that the situation had on me. Yeah, because I was also going to ask, like, how you guys were poetry, and I see that that became, like, your saving grace after the whole Yeah, thing. yeah. It was my therapy, like... I don't know where I would be or what I would do without my journal because <laughs> I'm always writing just to make sense of myself. Like, my journal is my place to just keep it real with me, you know. And the phases that I went through not writing and not journaling was the phases when I was trying to run away from myself and not be real and honest about what I was feeling and what was really happening in my world. Do you ever go back to read your old journal entries just to see, like, how much yes. you are listening? Yes, I do. I do. So what does it feel like? Oh, it feels good because I'm like, baby girl ain't have a clue. (laughs) She ain't (laughs) even know. Um, My sister brought me my first real journal that I wrote in um, the Christmas after I came back from Ghana. I did a semester of study abroad in Ghana. And I came back with a broken heart over this boy who I met out there and whatever, you know. And I remember just being so sad. And I, and because I found out he had a girlfriend who was playing me everything. So I wrote, I just wrote so much. But that was really the beginning of like, wait, was he from Ghana? Was he from Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh Listen, I done heard so many stories. I know it's a very common thing. Look, yes, I was one of them. Um, Yeah, so I just, but that was the beginning of finding my confidence because that's when I realized, like, I don't want to be with a guy who can't see me for me. And that's when I started realizing, like, because of my shape and because of the way I look, like, I'm, you know, slim, 
long hair, thick red bone, all of that. Like, that's the way that people looked at me. And it was on the one hand, you know, like affirming because people thought I was attractive, but on the other hand, just feeling like I'm so much more than this. Like, there's so much depth to me that people can't see, and they look at me, and they just judge me based off of this body. And this is not me. And I realized that guy um, was that type of person, you know, like he, he just saw me as the exterior. And that was the beginning of me saying, I'm only going to be with somebody who can see my soul, somebody who can see my spirit, who can understand and grasp all of me. And so that was the beginning of that that epiphany for me and then over time it started to become I have to grasp all of me I need to I need to like project all of me and I need to not be ashamed or embarrassed of all of me Uh, but the other beneficial thing for me about reading old journal entries has been advice like I write myself advice in the moment and sometimes I know it's not coming from me like I'll write like baby girl, it will be okay. We are with you. You are not alone. Like, I know the ancestors are talking to me, and I'm writing as they're speaking to me. And it's almost like a very, you know, it's a real strange type of interaction, but it'll be the ancestors or it'll be God, like, but it's coming through me, but I'm not physically, like, thinking and writing. And those are the most powerful to read because they come to me when I'm at my lowest point. Um, and just reminded me of some lessons that I learned that I didn't always take with me into the next phase. Song number two. Um, song number two is Cranes in the Sky by Solange. I know this was like the black girl anthem for a lot of us. Um, <laughs> but this, this album came out at such an important time in my life. Like, I had just moved, because, so when I was doing my semester, uh, when I was doing my master's at UCLA, I did a semester exchange at Berkeley. And so when this album came out, I had just moved to Oakland to do my semester exchange. Didn't know a lot of people. and just was feeling like I was just moving out on faith, just, just like making my life happen because I had this dream of becoming a PhD student at Berkeley and I wanted to do the semester exchange so that I could meet the people and try to make this happen for myself. And this song came out at a time when I was like just feeling so confident in everything that God was calling me to do. I had just got out of a really toxic relationship. I had just started to, like, realize how damaging that had been to my spirit and realizing how much I needed to take my power back and and realizing that, like, God was calling me to do some great things, but I had been so blinded and clouded by, like, being allowed allowing somebody to treat me in a way that did not reflect my self-worth. And I knew that I wasn't being honest with myself about that. And so removing myself from that relationship, my life just unfolded. Like, I, I finally made myself Algae t-shirts. I finally made myself Algae website. I finally just started taking myself more serious and legitimizing things with my work. That was the first time I started teaching the self-algy curriculum. Uh, it just was so many things just blossoming and breaking. I was learning new things at Berkeley that inspired me. And that's when I 
built really meaningful relationships with people at Berkeley. Um, and this song kind of was like the soundtrack of this season in my life, if that makes sense. Um, and it's all about like what black women do to heal. And it was at, at a time when I was learning what I needed to do to heal and move forward. And I was just on fire in that time of my life. Like, I look back like, girl, you did that. You know, like, I <laughs> I but that was my peak. <laughs> I still ain't been at that type of peak yet, but it was a good one. It was a good one. What uh-huh. is it like, like traveling to Africa? Because I feel like everyone that goes to Africa became becomes like a new person. Like in high school, um, they used to do every now and then they would do random trips trips to Africa for a week, and like everyone that came back, they just seem like a whole different person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think they was of like South Africa. Uh huh. Yeah, you know the continent is huge, so it depends on what part you go with, what experience you'll get. You know, um, I think I in my studies because I'm an African diaspora studies. A lot of um research has been done on how Black people in the United States travel seeking some sort of like validation or acceptance and don't always receive it, you know, um, which definitely was my case in Ghana, but I still loved it. It just was an epiphany of, like, as much as we here in America may claim Africa as the entire continent, many people on that continent ain't claiming us, you know, because we've had very different experiences, and it's understandable, you know, but I think the biggest thing for me was just recognizing the disconnect, but then I couldn't be mad. Like, I think initially I was mad, like, dang, y'all forgot us? Like, y'all didn't remember us? But it's like, that was 300 plus years ago, and they are not taught what we are taught. Their education system is not telling them that, oh, we are one, we are family. And ours isn't either, but we're telling ourselves that because we need something to hold on to and something to cling to, when in reality, you realize we were the ones left with the void because we left. They stayed, you know. And so when I was in Ghana, that's kind of what, for me, was my epiphany. But, but I definitely did just have a greater sense of understanding of my heritage. Like, I went to the slave castle where they held uh, people who were getting ready to go through the Middle Passage into slavery. And I just was so emotional because I see the brutality firsthand. Like, damn, they really did this shit to our people. But I felt so empowered because I'm like, damn, like, look at what we created from nothing. You know, like, we literally were stripped from everything that was familiar to us. And look what we created. Now everybody want to be us, you know. And it's like, even in Ghana, they rapping our Drake lyrics or our Lil Wayne lyrics or whatever, you know, thinking, oh, it's so cool to be a black American. Everybody thinks it's so cool to be a black American, even Africans. And I had wrote a poem about how we are, we are using the language that we remember to communicate with you. And now you looking at us and thinking it's cool, not recognizing we just trying to connect back to you. You know, like the music and and the culture, everything that we as African-Americans are expressing is really just at its core, at its root, a longing to connect back to our roots. And then our roots don't even recognize that because over time, so much has changed, you know, and so much has gotten lost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think for me, what I found so empowering was just like, 
I love being a person of African descent, and I feel very proud. She has gone to different parts of Africa, and I feel very connected there. But I also realize that that is not my story, and my story is here in the United States of America where we did create something out of nothing, and I feel really proud to be a part of that legacy, too, you know. So what about your Barcelona trip? Because you went to Barcelona all by yourself, right? Yeah, that was my very first solo trip, and that just felt so empowering because I had finished my master's program early uh, at UCLA, and by that point, I had got accepted to Berkeley, and I just had from March to August to just do what I wanted, and it was such a liberating time because I was like, I want to go on a world tour. I want to treat myself, and I wanted to travel more places, and I didn't get to. But I went to London to visit my best friend, and then I went to Barcelona. Um, and it just felt good. Like, it just felt like, wow. Like, I, he, little old me out here in this world, you know. Um, and I would just wake up, and I stayed in a little Airbnb and walk to the beach and just journal and, and reflect and meditate and sit by the water. Like, I just felt so, like, empowered like I felt like I got me you know like I don't need to rely on anybody else for anything and and I know that's not true all the time you know but in that moment it felt like that like and it was definitely a confidence booster for me because it just reminded me of my own strength and my own power and like I be on my own vibe like a lot of people don't roll like I roll even people close to me so it felt good to just be on my own ways. You know, I could take my time with the museums I wanted to go to. I just did what I felt like doing every day. And I'm like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> so I'm trying to take myself on another trip uh, this spring break, too. So we'll see. <laughs> How scary was that? Because I know, like, you always hear the horror stories of traveling. And then people tell women you shouldn't travel alone. And it just takes away from, like, you wanting to see the world. Like, how how did you know that initial fear? Well, I was looking at other people who had done it. So, like, my best friend was somebody who I had seen travel alone a lot. Um, and I just was looking at other black women specifically because I had developed a fear of, like, something happening to me, you know, because I am a victim survivor of sexual abuse and I just be feeling like I need to be protected somehow. And if I'm not protected in this random place, then what if something happens to me? And I just really had to keep praying, like, God, please protect me. Please don't allow anything. Like, let me be covered, God. Let me come here, be safe, come back safe, whole, renewed. Um, and so I just had to keep having faith that, like, God ain't going to have me out here with nothing crazy happening to me. And if something crazy do happen to me, I know for whatever reason it's going to be part of God's plan. So that's what I had to keep just reminding myself. And and seeing other people do it, I just was like, okay, like, and I'm going to just go. And I'll tell you, I was a little uh, scaredy cat because I didn't have – my phone wasn't working all the way. I only have um, – my phone working in Wi-Fi, so I didn't venture mm -hmm. out far. I just stayed right around the little area because I was like, I don't want to be on the train, going the wrong way, and you know. So I, for my first trip, I stayed real, real close. <laughs> I went from my Airbnb <laughs> to the beach to whatever was in, because I, I just walked everywhere, so I would just be walking, walking all day. But whatever was in the no more than 10-mile radius of where I was staying at. 
um, and, and I stayed somewhere where it was easy to get to a lot of places. So it worked well for me because from my first trip, I needed to not do too much, you know. <laughs> and I just had to do a lot of research ahead of time. But And honestly, I, I just started to go to Barcelona maybe two weeks before I left. Like, I didn't know where I was going because I was already in London, and I was like, where am I going to go next? And, yeah, I just I just did it. But I encourage us to do it. Like, it's, it's so freeing. It's so liberating. Like, I can't wait to go again somewhere with myself. <laughs> song number one. All right. My final song is October Song by Amy Winehouse. Um, this song is really special to my heart uh, because this is kind of like a song that my best friend and I listened to uh, when we were in college just to feel free and liberated. And it's just about like being reborn and set free and just flying away. And it just always makes me feel like I can fly. Like I don't have to be stuck anywhere. I don't have to be tied to anything if it's not feeding me, you know. This song just like brings me to a certain high place, you know. Um and I love Amy Winehouse because she was my playlist all through my senior year of undergrad. Um when I was feeling like was understood by other people members understood by myself. She just got me, you know, and I would just keep her on repeat and dance around my room in my pajamas and just feel, like, really connected to myself. And she, like, her music just helped me to spend time with myself when I didn't even know how to. She was, like, the first artist who I really had as my soundtrack spending time with me. So how did you learn how to do that? Like, how to um just being comfortable with just yourself and not not having like the noise around you and not feeling alone well, and doing it. Yeah. So I you know, it's funny because I look back at my undergrad experience and laugh because I realized like I've just always been very different and I didn't realize how different I was. Um but when I was an undergrad I I didn't smoke or drink and I, I never really smoked or drink. So, of course, that's what people's doing at the parties. And because people thought I was pretty, they assumed that I was cool. But I really was never that cool. You know, I was popular, but I never was that cool. If people really got to know me, they would know. Like, you know, I was just a little different. <clears throat> so I would go to these little parties every once in a while, and I would just want to sit and talk to people. Like, I would want to talk about Africa and talk about slavery and talk about the black condition. And we had a little alpha turn-up, you know. And people, like, some of the guys would be intrigued with me, but I was so naive. I never thought, oh, they are, they like me or they trying to talk to me. I was just like, oh, they, they want to really have a conversation about this, you know. And I think some guys <laughs> was like, oh, she really is different. But some people liked it, but they couldn't really respect it or understand it, you know. So I just kind of used to feel awkward at those parties because I would be a freshman at the senior parties because me and the girls who I used to hang out with was, like, pretty popular to be freshmen, you know. And it now I look back and, 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 and I'm amused by it because it's like, 
I don't know what I used to be doing at the mood things because I wasn't smoking or drinking and all I wanted to do was really have conversations with people. Um, and so I didn't go out a lot because it just wasn't always that fun to me, you know. And then I'm like, that's what most people were doing, going out. And then I realized people were, like, doing a lot of gossiping, talking about other people. And I just wasn't really doing what other people were doing. Like, I would be in my room planning and organizing because I had an organization my freshman year called Peace and Love. And we did, like, poetry about nonviolence. So I always was just trying to plan and organize and thinking about how I can, like, make my visions come to fruition. Or I had some of my younger Spelman sisters in my dorm this one and them. But, like, I just never was out here doing what everybody else was doing a lot. Like, I did sometimes, but it wasn't common for me. So I already was used to being alone just in my own thoughts of, like, okay, this is what I want to make happen. How do I make this happen? Oh, this this girl, because I was an RA to my sophomore year, so it's like, oh, this girl needs to talk to me. How can I support her? Like, just different ways that I was, like, already doing the things that I was passionate about doing and not just riding everybody else's wave. And then by the time I got to my senior year, when I was Ms. Morehouse, that's when I really needed my own space because I was so here for everybody. And I'm a very social person. I love talking to people. But I be needing to, after after the day ends, I need to go to my house and I need to go in my room and I need to just rejuvenate and recharge. And so I spent my days just being a people person. So my nights were reserved for me. And then in my me time is when I started to journal more and listen to music more and just connect with myself more, even though that at that time I still was in an unhealthy relationship and I still was like, insecure in a lot of ways that was the beginning of me trying to start to have a self-care practice before I even knew what that was if that makes sense and then it took me going to UCLA and experiencing more trauma there to really develop like okay this is what it means to have a healthy relationship with myself but it started with that alone time back in undergrad so what kind of woman would you define yourself as who have a lot of different things. Like I, I really would say I'm very multifaceted. Like I was just writing this in my journal. Like I feel like I'm, uh, I be like kind of ratchet sometimes because I'm a little hood because I'm from Philly, you know. Um, and and I think I'm a little classy. I be trying to be a little classy sometimes. And I feel like I'm a scholar and a poet and an activist. And I used to think I had to compartmentalize and that I couldn't be all of those things all at once. Um, but now I know that I can. And that's one of the most empowering epiphanies that I've had in my life. And, like, the type of woman I am cannot be boxed in. Like, I don't make sense to a lot of people because I'm so many different things that people can't always comprehend me. And like I'm saying, I couldn't comprehend myself for a long time. So I don't be mad at people because I understand, like, I'm a lot to comprehend, you know. Um, but I think at the core, I'm a really deep thinker, you know. Like, I'm I'm a really deep person, and I'm always, always just connected to something larger and greater than myself. And I'm a visionary. Like, I have this vision that God placed on my heart since I was 13 years old to help my people, you know, to be an example and a role model and a mentor and a friend and a learner and a healer and a student um, and a teacher for my people, you know. Since I was 13 years old, I had that vision from God. And so I think that has grounded everything that I do and everything that I am 
and all the different parts of my and layers of my identity from the way I look to the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I express myself, all of those things God intended for me because God needed me to let young black girls know it's okay to be exactly who you are. Don't hate yourself for your skin color. Don't hate yourself for your hair texture, for the way you talk from the hood that you come from. Like, be proud of yourself and own it. Own everything that is you and take everything that is you into everything that you're doing. And I think the type of woman that I am has allowed me to be where I am today, just embracing everything that is the type of woman that I am, if that makes sense. That was really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, girl. But okay, so before we go, I know you have a poem and your dear black girl letter for us. So which one do you want to do first? Um so I'll do my dear black girl letter. Dear black girl, you are beautiful on the inside first and foremost. And that is what grounds you. That is what makes you the light that you are. And know that that is something that nobody could ever take or give to you. And know that you have the power to create the life that you want to live. Know that you are in charge of your own destiny and the creator has a very specific purpose and plan for you. Nobody made a mistake on you. You're nobody's accident. Everywhere that you're going, you deserve to go. Everything is so intentionally designed for your benefit, for your blessing. Our creator doesn't make no mistakes. If you're wondering why you had to go through what you went through or why you had to struggle with the insecurities that you struggle with, it's all intended for a larger purpose. Everything in your life is intended for a larger purpose. And when we can begin with an understanding of what that is, we are grounded and we find peace, even when life is looking real unpeaceful. We find peace because we cultivate that peace within ourselves. We cultivate the ability and the power and the compassion to love ourselves and love our life and love this world in such a radically authentic way. So be you. Do not change anything about yourself because that is the antithesis of what you need to do to get where you're called to be. If you have to change the essence of who you are, then you will be going in the opposite direction of what God has called you to do because your creator gave you everything that you were given to do a very specific task in this world. So if you're changing things about yourself and moving in a direction that you were not called to move in, you're working backwards and you're going to have to come back to a place where you can ground yourself so that you can move forward in the way that you were intended to move. So don't run away from yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't tell yourself stories about who you wish you were because you're trying so hard to be like somebody else. They're already there. They're taken. You are not. Nobody else is you, and that is your power. So own that shit. Like, don't let nobody tell you that there is anything wrong with who you are. So many people will not understand you because they do not understand themselves. And the people who judge you the most are the ones who are the most insecure. Know that when people project bullshit onto you, it's a reflection of their own insecurity. 
and be open to growth and change. Sometimes we do need to get checked, but you got to know the difference between when someone is telling you something about yourself from a place of love and from a place of judgment and knowing you have the last say over the woman that you become. And so you make the decision for yourself. Do I feel like I want to change that about myself? If I change that about myself, is that making me a better version of me? Or is that making me a better version of somebody else? And only you can say, only you have the power to say what is true for you. So don't let nobody else tell you otherwise. I'm Rebot XO with love. So um, my boyfriend and I go on hikes a lot, and that's become a part of my self-care practice also of just, like, spending time in nature. And so I wrote this poem. Uh, it's not even a poem. It's just a journal entry, but it's about walking through uh, the sequoia trees out here in California. Um, so it's called um, What We Learn from Sequoias. <laughs> What can trees tell us about black womanhood? How might we imagine the twisted roots of the sequoia like the coiled kinks that spend into dance formation atop a black girl's mane? May we mirror our mourning after our tree mothers, our menstruation after their shedding of dead leaves, our love like the kissing of queen-sized redwoods reuniting 90,000 feet above the ground, their branches bursting into lullabies song, their pines pushed between each other's trunk so they don't quite know where one ends and the other begins like our brown skins in sync with his or hers and look at how they lean on each other. Look at how they glean from each other. Here in these backwoods of California, enclaves of caring community, a thousand-year-old trees who have survived something, who have survived everything. So might we imagine ourselves in them? Might we channel their loving grace? Might we gain? Might we see our own face in their hollow horrors and the nightmares they survive? I see all they have survived and my soul cries for this. My spirit flies for this to the limbs of their legally leaves, and they cry for me too loudly, yet all is still and silent and well. I see you. I hear you. I feel you, I tell them. I know the fear, that energy that comes over me, that spirit that was once so foreign and unfamiliar, that energy of diasporic belonging that fluctuates in my bones, that ancestral protection, it no longer scares me. I let it summon me into the forest. I let it guide me into God's creating, and that spirit is what leads my soul to its cultivation. As the sun's rays sink into my skin, I sing, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And for that realization, I set free. I find pieces of myself beneath the oak tree, the pieces I let fall, and I pick them up from off the ground and grant them their rightful place in my purpose, in my world, in my life. I let the works of the trees tell me their stories.
and I learned from them about how women who survive fire can show their scars to the world and inspire vulnerability, how the openness of their gauges, the holes in the center of their hearts are open to those who pass by, but the trees do not hide, do not hang their hands low, embarrassed of the wounds from their wounds. They stand bold and bare, unafraid of their nakedness, unashamed of their truth. They trust their own strength, and even in their death, they produce life. Even in the worst wake of their womb, they birth life. They build up. Their roots rise to skies unknown to man and make a new, new possibilities of being, new openings for belonging, for healing. And it was in those trees that I saw myself, saw my own reflection, saw my own scars on display <laughs> in the midst of my most sacred way. And nature became my sanctuary. The forest became my altar. Aligned with the divine, I dive into the open spaces of the tree trunk where the fire burns out the flesh of the sequoia, where the bee tree had its bit through her hair follicles, where the forest could not protect what reimagined, what remained of her was raw and real, was radically transparent. What we made of her resembled me, the insides of my core that at times I can't reach, the parts of me that I am too scared to see. The tree is not afraid of me. She is not suspicious of my longing. She lets me sit at her feet in this forest where fires tried to burn her heart out, and she feels me, and she sees me. And she tells me her story, and I tell her my story, and neither of us say one word, but we understand how women like us still stand 1,000 feet tall, touching the blues of the skies like we deserve to, like the rape of our nation, the slitting of our tongues, the stripping of our skin, the burning of our flesh could never really break us, could never really kill us, for even if one of us all the fields of our foremothers grow richer and the imaginaries of the future go riper and we live and we love and we recreate and we exist so far beyond their comprehension.